Uh, we are starting this new series on work today. We're going to see what God has in store for our vocational lives. Uh, this is an important topic. Uh, because most of us, studies show, will spend over 90,000 hours over the course of a lifetime working. Now, for you, maybe that's in an office. For you, maybe it's a stay-at-home mom. For you right now, students, it's, it's uh, going to school and taking classes. That's your work. Whatever it is for you, the majority of your life, half of your life will be spent working. And if you think about it, it's not just that time. right? There's the time preparing for work. There's the time that you are commuting to work. There's the time that you come home after work, and all you can think about is work, right? And so if you had it all up at that time, who knows how much time over the course of our life would be spent around this idea of work. And so we want to ask this question this morning as we kick off this new series, how do we connect our work to God's work? That's an important question to ask. It's one we typically don't ask a lot in the church, do we? I mean, as we started this series and talked about it a little bit with different people, some people in our church came to me even yesterday and said, hey, Tim, this whole time, I thought we were doing a series on faith and works. Right? Because that's more common to talk about in church. What does faith have to do with our works, our actions? You know, how does all that tie in together? And as we say faith and work, it almost doesn't even register that we would talk about something like that in church. Well, you need to know the Bible talks about our work. That we as a church, we want to be about our work and see how does this honor God, edify others, and benefit ourselves? What does that look like? Because we're, we're all wanting our work to matter, aren't we? I mean, nobody grows up as a kid and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know, something insignificant? Oh, you never hear that. No, they want to be a superhero, a doctor, a lawyer. They want their work to matter. As you grow up, you want your work to matter. You say things like this. I just want to do something I love. If I could just find something I love to do that's utilizing my gifts and talents, I mean, then I would be fulfilled in my work. We want our work to matter. Maybe you don't go that far, but maybe you just say, hey, I want to provide for my family. I want to do something that, that blesses my family. I want to do something that blesses the world and makes a difference in the world and helps people flourish. We all want our work to matter, but... The best way we can see our work matter is to see how it matters to God. Right? Any of those other frameworks, they're really good. Like your work should be something you love to do. Your work should help other people. Your work should provide for your family. Those are very good things, but they're somewhat lacking, somewhat misguided if we don't see how those things that we are trying to do, trying to see matter, if we don't see how that matters to God. He has an eternal purpose for our work. The, the two things are not disconnected. We want to see how they are connected. How does our work connect to God's work? Because that's how it will have matter. That's what will matter and have purpose in our life. So the place we're going to look to see this connection is where work begins. And the place where work begins is where the world begins, in the book of Genesis. So if you have a Bible, grab it now. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one on an armrest near you, just reach over and grab that one. If you don't own a Bible, take that. We want you to see God's word with your own eyes. Uh, if you don't have a Bible near you, pull it up on your phone. You can find any app. Go to BibleGateway.com. I want you to see God's word for yourself. Genesis 1 is where we're going to be, so it doesn't take long to flip there. The beginning of your Bible, verses 27 and 28. 
And our first point is this, that you were made to work. You were made to work. We see that in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, that's Adam and Eve, he created them. And then notice, he gives them a job. Verse 28, God blesses them, and God says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every other living thing that moves on the earth. Flip over to Genesis 2, just one page. Genesis 2, verse 15 says this. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, the timeline is very important here. This was all before sin, before the curse. So despite how many of us feel about our work, it's not punishment. This is all before sin, before the curse, before the fall. That happens in Genesis 3. This is Genesis 1 and 2. Work is part of God's original good design. But God doesn't just design us to work in a good way. God is the designer of work. He he models it for us. We see that earlier in Genesis 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished his work. He had been doing, that's creation. So that on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So God designs you to work, and it's a good thing. God works and models it because it's a good thing. Before sin, before the fall, the sequence is really important here. And so here's the amazing thing. Work is not punishment. Work is good. Despite your experience, despite what you feel maybe at your job, work was intended to be a good thing. And as we look at God doing work, what's amazing is God is perfect. He, He makes everything. He works for six days. He puts this beautiful creation together. God is is perfect in doing that, but He lets us be a part of it. Right? As God tells Adam. Genesis 1, have dominion over over everything. Genesis 2, work this garden, keep this garden. He he could have said something different, right? He he could have said, hey, Adam, I've worked really hard on all this stuff. I mean, it's really beautiful. I'm perfect. This is amazing. Adam, you stay out of the garden because you're going to screw it up, right? God could have done that. He could have said, hey, Adam, I've created all this amazing work. I mean, look at that. Look at that flower. Like, like, can you believe my work, Adam? You know what? Why don't you stand, why don't you stand right here? Stand right here, and you just guard my work. And you make sure nothing happens to my work. You make sure no one else screws up my work. God could have said that, but here's what God does. Is God says to Adam, you be in the garden. I'm going to put you in the garden and you're going to work it, and you're going to keep it. That word work literally means to serve, to develop, to cultivate. That God gives Adam responsibility and creativity in work. He puts us right in the midst of it. And so you and I have a creator God who has made you in his image to create, to develop to cultivate, that he put Adam in that garden to take the raw materials that he had created that were amazing, that were perfect, and he says, hey, you, you develop this. You, you make this into something. And God creates you and I in his image to do that same thing. 
Uh, some of us experience this at different points in life. I know for me, just recently I experienced this as I bought a mint plant. I got this mint plant. I come home, and I put it in my yard, and we research, like, where to put it. How will it get the most sun? How much do you water it? Like, what's the best pot to put it in? Should we put it in the ground? Like, we did all those things. We got the kids involved, right? We had them get a, a bucket of water and, and start to water this mint plant. And it was amazing how much joy we received over this mint plant, right? We were just like, hey, we're going to live off the land in Phoenix. I mean, mint, we can use for all sorts of things. I mean, this is the beginning of who knows what, right? It was amazing how much joy it took uh, for us to just grab this mint plant and start to, to cultivate it and develop it and see it grow. Now, I do have to tell you, uh, that mint plant has since died because of the fall, right, because of sin. The ground is cursed. And so, you know, maybe we'll try that again. But, but it was an amazing thing how, how much joy, fulfillment we got just seeing something grow. You know why you get that joy? Because you were designed for it. You were designed to create. You're created in the image of God who is creator. It's so a work is what you were made for, to cultivate, to develop. And this is not just pastors, priests, or missionaries. We already mentioned this. All right, many of us, we don't have a problem connecting the work of God to those kind of professions, do we? Well, like well, a pastor, a priest, a missionary, I mean, what they do, it's already connected to God. Like, it's a really big deal. It has eternal purpose and eternal weight. But my job as a firefighter, my job as an admin, my job as an attorney, I mean, I don't, I don't see the connection there, right? I don't see the eternal weight there. But if you look at the Bible closely, what you see is that many professions and people who had just regular professions influence the world in incredible ways, influence the world for God's mission and his glory in incredible ways. You just look at a guy like Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Right? We call him Father Abraham. His name means father. He was the originator of our faith, the founder of our faith. And many of us subconsciously, without really looking at it, might think, well, he was a pastor, right? I mean, he was a vocational minister. Father Abraham, are you kidding me? Like, he, he really was doing God's work. But Abraham wasn't a pastor. Abraham wasn't a priest. Abraham was a shepherd. We think of a guy like David, a man after God's own heart. I mean, he was a minister, right, vocationally. No, David was a shepherd. And then he was a, a warrior in the military, and then he was a king. That was his profession, his work. Think of a guy like Joseph, this great story of forgiveness. I mean, he probably, he was, his vocation was God's work, wasn't it? No, Joseph was primarily some of his life a slave, the rest of his life an administrator. But God used these people. You, you know these names. Even if you haven't grown up in church, you think Abraham, Joseph, David. I mean, these were giants of the faith. Surely their vocation must have been their faith, and it wasn't. Some of the most significant stories, some of the most significant impact made for the glory of God and the joy of people was done by people who didn't have their vocation in ministry. They had other vocations, other work that God used in significant ways. I think of a guy uh, that I know named Brett Edson. Uh, I office in a building. We, we have a 
co-working space that we share with a lot of other people downtown. And uh, one of the owners of that building is a Christian. And he came to me once and he just said, hey, Tim, I'm not a pastor, but I love Jesus and I love business. How can I converge those two things? Like, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to get up and preach and tell people about Jesus that way. But, but how can I, as a businessman, still be effective for the kingdom of God? And I said, Brett, you have no idea. You have a business mind that I'll never have. You are connected to people that will never talk to me as a pastor. Not really talk to me, right? They'll, they'll come to me and say, hey, hey, pastor, going to church this weekend. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to be there. Hey, pastor, I just, I was reading my Bible this morning, and, uh, you know, just, um, they'll talk to me, but he can talk to them about what they do for a living. He can talk to them about their families in ways I can't. And he happens to own a building downtown with a lot of influence and can do that in incredible ways. It can help the church and make disciples in incredible ways, and it just so happens that's their vision. And so he wants to do that. He has a desire to do that. Some of you uh, know about this. We're looking at that building. There's a, a huge basement that's full of storage right now. Uh, but they had a desire and came to us about building out a church in that space for Phoenix Bible Church that we might use and, and integrate faith and work visibly. There might be a church right downtown across from Talking Stick Resort Arena right next to the Fry's grocery store that they're building, the first one downtown, and, and we're in talks about that. Some of you have asked about updates on that. Uh, we're waiting on the contractor because work is slow. It's <laughs> our next principle. Uh, work is slow, so we're waiting on cost and timeline for that. So that's just a side note, an update on that. But, but just imagine what that looks like for your life. Right? That, that's him. He owns a building. That, that's different for him. But what does that look like for you to say, I was made to work in whatever profession I have? Right? If you're a stay-at-home mom, right, you, you were made to work. Now, sometimes when you're changing the poopy diaper, it doesn't seem like this is designed by God. Right? You, you, you associate more, you relate more to the ground is cursed. When you, especially when you leave that diaper in the car. You're like, this is a result of the fall. Right? But listen, as a stay-at-home mom, that is your work. And, and it's some of the most significant, important work we have in our society. You never clock out. Right? If you were to get paid, you would make billions of dollars a year. Right? It's a big, big deal for you as students. Your work matters to God. It matters to what he's doing in and through you in the world. Because the reality is, you as a student, you're engaging people that a vocational minister would never engage. Right? You're engaging people internationally. We have some of our students who came from other countries, and they're all at this college campus with different backgrounds, different faiths, different thoughts and conceptions about God. And I could go on campus and talk to them, and it would seem kind of creepy. You can go on campus and talk to them, relate to them, talk about your careers, what you're going to do. And God can use your work right now as a student, that's your work, to impact others for eternity. Right? So if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you work in a cube, if you're at school, God can use your work. God chooses to be involved in your work. Will you choose to involve him? in your work? Do you think about your work that way? Do you reorient your life and your work and say, 
hey, whatever profession, this is my purpose. Whatever career, this is my calling, to make disciples of all nations, to love my neighbor in whatever profession I do. Do you see your work that way? Do you see that it matters to God? You were made to work. Now, second point, you were made to work, but you are not made by work. Your work does not define you. And this is a really tough balance to see. Work is this amazing thing. It has all these purposes that God can unleash in your life through your work, no matter your vocation, eternal weight. And so you could think, wow, this is a really big deal. I'm going to pour all my life, all my soul into this, and we could get off a little bit. And some of us do this. And so you were made for work, but you're not made by work. Genesis 3, when sin enters the world, it corrupts everything. And so verse 17, Genesis 3, it does say, the ground is now cursed. In pain, you shall eat of it. Verse 18 in Genesis 3, there will be thorns and thistles. Now, some of you work is making a lot more sense now because you see the corruption in your work. You see that, that wheel spinning on the computer. That's, that's the corruption. You see when the printer doesn't work, that's, that's the corruption. But it's also how we treat our work, right? It's not just that work is hard and toilsome. It's that we begin to take our work, because our work is corrupted by sin, just like everything else, we begin to take our work that's meant to be a, a good thing, a right thing, used for greater purposes, and we begin to make work the purpose. You see, work is good, but it's not God. But in sin and in corruption, we begin to treat it as God and treat it as the way to fulfillment, joy, and purpose alone. And we start to define ourselves by our work. And anytime, listen, anytime we do that, anytime we make work our identity, it becomes idolatry. In sin and corruption, as we make work who we are, not just what we do, but who we are, it becomes an idol. We see this in the scriptures in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel. Maybe you've seen even a picture of this in a kid's Bible, and you see this tower that's being erected, and it's really high. And the people at that time, they wanted to build something so high and so strong and so grand that they could get up to heaven, essentially so they could be God. And they lost sight of that, that work is a good thing designed for me to cultivate for his purposes, for the benefit of people. And they said, no, no, no. I want work to be about me. I want work to be the display of my life, to define who I am and let other people know that I'm a person of power, status, and importance through my work. And they mistakenly made what was meant to be good into a God in work. But it's not just the Tower of Babel. We build our own Tower of Babel today, don't we? I mean, even from an early age, we do this. I mean, you think about the questions we are asked and the questions we ask. As a grade school kid, what's one of the most popular questions we will ask them? What do you want to be when you grow up? As we get a little bit older, as we go into college, students, what's one of the most popular questions, common questions you guys get? What's your major? What about that internship? What are you going to do after you graduate? You love that question, don't you? 
stresses you out. Uh, we were all there. We're still alive, right? In college, what are you going to do after you graduate? What are you going to do for work? When you get into the workforce, what's one of the most questions, popular questions we ask one another as we introduce ourselves? What do you do for work, right? As we are in the workforce for a while, like, well, are you happy with your work? Are you thinking about being promoted in your work? Do you like your role in work? Should you find another role of work as we move forward in life and get near the age of retiring? What do people ask you? What are you going to do after work? What's next? That as a culture, specifically in America, we have framed our entire lives around work. I mean, from a little kid to an age that you would retire, we've said, hey, work is the thread that connects everything, right? By the questions we ask, by the ways we answer those questions, we view our lives in terms of what we do, that what we do becomes who we are. Now, here's the problem with that, is that what you do changes. What you do isn't omnipotent. It's not all-powerful. What you do isn't all-knowing. What you do fails you at some point. Now, even if you're successful, there's always somebody more successful than you. Even if you make a lot of money, there's always somebody who has more money than you. Even if you've climbed the ladder, there's always another rung on the ladder to climb, right? And so if what we do is who we are, we're always fluctuating from stage to stage in life, from job to job, we're always fluctuating. We're rising and falling on an external circumstance in our lives. And and God's going to say there's more to life than that, that work shouldn't be our identity, that work's just our activity. Work's not your identity. It was never meant to be that. We should probably reframe some of the questions we ask each other, right? I know for me, even as a pastor, um, you know, people call me Pastor Tim, and that's fine. I appreciate that. I'm not saying don't do that. But, but sometimes what I'll see is friends of mine who are pastors, they'll say, because um, I listen to sermons, and they'll say like, Hey, good morning. It's good to see you guys from stage. Uh, my name is Pastor Tim. And I'm just like, really? Like on your birth certificate? That's weird. Like maybe I'm not the real thing because my birth certificate says something different. And, and that's fine. That's just a little thing. But, but on like Twitter and social media, Pastor Tim Birdwell. Like that's their username. And I just think we, we get off, even in my profession, a little bit, and we say, well, what I do is who I am. And so when I introduce myself to people in my neighborhood, I don't say, hey, how you doing? My name's Pastor Tim. I say, hey, I'm Tim. You know, it's my wife, Jaya. It's my kids. I tell you guys a lot, I'm a pastor, but I'm a person too. Right? And so I got kids that have dirty diapers. We're getting out of that stage, thank God. Um, you know, I got, I got to wake up in the morning and not feel great sometimes. Like spend my first two hours sneezing because of allergies. Real story this morning. And so just like me, just like you, 
there's a difference, there's a distinction between what we do and who we are. That scripture talks about who we really are. And it has nothing to do with your profession. Thank God, right? Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a plumber, scripture talks about us this way. Ephesians 1 says we are adopted as sons and daughters. That's who you are. It has nothing to do with what you do. Genesis 1 says you are image bearers of God. Jesus calls you a, a follower of Christ. This is who you are. Now, you may do a lot of other things, but this is who you are. And you see, when we start to understand who we are, it affects what we do. It gives meaning to what we do. So much of us have this flipped, though, don't we? I mean, so much of us spend all of our lives from a young age, from an early age, what are we going to be when we grow up, from college, what are we going to do after we graduate, from adulthood, and what are we doing for our career, and are we being promoted, are we successful, as successful as somebody else? We spend so much time trying to find meaning in work, identity in work. Am I in the right job? Am I utilizing my skills? Am I reaching my potential? We spend so much time trying to find meaning, identity, purpose, and work. And what we need to do is flip that, right? We need to find our meaning, our purpose, our identity in God. I'm an image bearer. I'm an adopted son or daughter of the Most High. I am completely accepted as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, not because of my work, but because of his work on my behalf. That's who I am. That's my purpose. And then we're unleashed to see meaning, purpose in our work. We got to get the order right, right? And so many times we're so confused, frustrated by our work because we're trying to find our meaning there. We've made that our identity. It was never meant to be that way. I had a friend named Damien, and um, we lived in another city. And we were in this group together, and we were talking about just different idols in our life. And for him, one of those was work. And he just said, hey, I'm the boss at work. Like, and he was. He was very successful. He owned a security company. He had multiple teams with teams under them. And he said, hey, when I'm at work, I'm the boss. And I like that. And so I come home, and he had two little kids and a wife. And he said, when I come home, I want to be the boss. And, and I want people to do what I want to do and fit into my identity because I'm, I'm the boss. And when they don't, I get angry. I turn to alcohol. It corrupted because he put it in a place it was never supposed to be. And so he talked about one of the reasons we were in this group together is he was talking about that hasn't gotten me anywhere. I mean, yeah, I got a status. I got a salary. I got a job. But... Man, my family, the things that actually matter in life, they are destroying themselves. We are destroying ourselves because of my view of work. And he said to me at one point, he said, Tim, you know, what I did became who I was. Like I was boss in every sphere of life, and that began to destroy everything that was dear to me. And so by God's grace, I still talk to him every once in a while. He actually comes to church here when he comes down for spring training baseball, and it's not that way anymore. He, he has found his identity in Christ and who he is in God as an image bearer. And it's changed his work. 
For him, it literally changed his work. He took a different job. And I'm not saying you have to do that, but he, he decided for a while he could make it a little bit better, but he needed an actual different job to see this change in his life. It was an idol in this specific job, so he needed to get out of that workforce and into another one. Maybe you need to do that. Has work become such an idol, such a part of who you are, that you need a different job? It's too hard to figure out how to work the 60 to 70 hours a week and still find your identity in Christ. Don't quit your job today, but you may need to pray about that, right? And, but most of you, you need to stay in your job. You just need to reorient it for the glory of God and your joy and other people's. Because we've made work who we are. It's never meant to be that. Um, here's what happens when we realize who we actually are in Christ. Here's how it affects what we do. Two things. One, you get incredible freedom. Whether you're successful or not, whether you make a lot of money or not, you have incredible freedom. Because no longer what you do eight to five says who you are, right? And so you can go to work and work hard. We're going to talk about that next week, work in integrity. You can work hard and you can fail but still know God is satisfied with me. When God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees his son. He's satisfied with me because of who I am. You get incredible freedom when you fail or even when you succeed. The second thing is you get a sustaining motivation. When you see who you are in Christ, what you do, you get a sustaining motivation. Because here's the reality is that when you start out, particularly when you start out in your career, for a while, you can work to get weary. You can keep going and keep going and make work an idol until you get a little bit more money until you move up and it can become an idol and you can do that for a little while. You can cheat your way in work. You can manipulate in work and maneuver in work for a little while. But what happens eventually that wanes. Eventually you get in trouble. Eventually you lose that job. Eventually you go as far as you want to go in the company and then you're like, what next? But if you have a God-oriented purpose for your work, that ultimately you're there to to see God be glorified and benefit other people around you, that's a sustained motivation for the rest of your life. That when the project gets boring, you still have incredible meaning because you have a God, an eternal boss, who's infusing meaning into that project, right? And so as we see our identity correctly, we have incredible freedom, we have sustaining motivation in our work. A lot of talk right now is around uh, abortion. It's a different topic, but I think it connects. Abortion and life, and when does life really start, and, and what, what, uh, what determines value and worth in life, you know? I mean, a fetus, they haven't done anything yet. And so we don't even know if they will. We don't know how they'll turn out. Specifically, if they have a condition, well, what are they going to be able to offer? And we kind of talk in terms of that. We're getting better, I think, as a society in this and not doing that. But we kind of associate worth with what people do, right? And the reality is God gives us inherent worth because we are made in his image and because he loves us. That whether somebody ever contributes anything to society or not, they have worth. That's why we want to see life preserved. Amen? 
Because every life has worth. Why? Just because Genesis 1, the beginning, God says this about you. You are an image bearer of me. And so I I say that to you to say that not only applies to the whole abortion, pro-life, whatever, whole life. That applies to our work, right? Maybe you've thought, maybe you had a a dad, maybe you had a mom, maybe you had friends, maybe you have that now, who are always coming at you and and talking about your work, and and you start to associate that with your worth. And you need to know, we have to start this series where God starts the world, where God starts work, that you have inherent worth and value, not because of anything you ever accomplished with your hands, but because of what God has done in your heart. That's the foundation for us. That's work and identity. Right, it starts at conception. It continues in your job. You are who God says you are, and that affects everything you do. And so I'm going to invite the band back up now. Uh, we're going to respond to this truth and looking at work and identity. And the reality is I know many of you in here, you're in a profession, you're in a career right now that maybe you're not thrilled about. And maybe you struggle with this. As we uh, had our production meeting, pre-service meeting right before this, all of us talked about our week. We go around and share, hey, what happened this week? What's God doing with that? And all of us talked about our work. And some of us said, hey, I got a cool revelation in my work this week. And some of us said I was kind of frustrated in my work this week. Some of us said I was kind of busy in my work this week. And I know that expresses a lot of people in here. Some of you love your job. Some of you are frustrated with your job. Some of you feel fulfilled in your job and you overwork. Some of you underwork because you think it's boring and it doesn't matter, right? So I know all of us are in different spectrums when it comes to work. And so we want to see how does our work matter? How does it connect to God? And it starts with our identity. It starts with the work of Jesus on your behalf. You see, Jesus spent the majority of his life working In a mundane job, Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years. Simple, mundane, making tables, doing his thing. Three years of his life was the big miracles, amazing things, right? But but Jesus' work mattered, all of it. The work of a carpenter, the work of the cross, it all matters, and it gives weight to whatever you do. Stay-at-home mom, IT, construction worker, Lawyer, student, you have work because you have worth because of Jesus' work on your behalf. So I want to ask you a simple question as we start this series. We're going to get into how we work next week, the influence of our work the following week. Today, simple decision that you need to make. Because of who you are, an image bearer, an adopted son or daughter of the Most High God, because of who you are, it affects what you do. So will you give your work to God? That's the simple question for today. That's the step you need to take today. Will you give your work to God's work? Will you just say to God, I want to submit myself and my work as an instrument in your hands, whatever that means, in my existing job and another job. I want to see work matter to you so I can see how it matters to our world and to myself. So will you take that step this morning? We're going to talk about a lot more things as we get into the series, but that's where it all starts. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for our work and how you define it, how you give it purpose, 
how will you infuse meaning into whatever we do. God, I thank you that there are, even in this room, workers, artists, creators, students, nurses, contractors, architects. I know a lot of what they do, so I know these people are in this room. I thank you that you've created us and wired us for work, but it's not who we are. It's just what we do, and but you've given us incredible meaning and purpose in what we do. And so, God, I pray for these professions in here and these people in here that you would give them incredible purpose for their work, and they would start with submitting their work completely to you in ways that we haven't, God, we, we would repent of that. And, and action steps we need to take and different things we need to do of how to approach our Monday or how to approach our job in general, you would help us make those changes. And we would step out and see this incredible freedom, this incredible lasting motivation you give us in our work because of who we are in you. Father, help us with that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.